Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. In today's episode, I chat with Laurel Snyder, the author of Orphan Island. And in this episode, we talk about her new book, The Witch of Woodland. We talk about what life was like for Laurel when she was in middle school. We talk about how each one of her books features a character that is a version of Laurel. And we talk about her hope for the book. It's time to unravel The Witch of Woodland. Laurel Snyder, tell us a little bit about The Witch of Woodland. The Witch of Woodland is, uh, this is a hard one to tell a little bit about. Um, it's about a girl named Zippy, whose full name is Zipporah Chava McConnell, um, which is a sort of unusual Jewish name. And she is Jewish and she is living in my neighborhood. And for anybody who read my Jasper June, it's set very much in the same exact space, um, simultaneously, basically, to my Jasper June, but it's a different crew of girls. And um, and uh, she lives in this neighborhood that I live in here in Atlanta, Ormwood Park, and um, she's unhappy. She's anxious. She's in seventh grade and the other kids are growing up faster than she is and leaving things behind that she doesn't want to leave behind. She has this very dear best friend named B, and B is changing too, and that's hard and sort of wants other things, wants other friends and more mature sort of stuff in her life. And the big factor for Zippy is that she's a witch. She has spent her whole life kind of developing and practicing spells and casting magic. And the rest of the kids at school don't play that way. Don't do that sort of thing. And one day her mom comes home and says, it's time to start prepping for your bat mitzvah. And Zippy is sort of confused by that. She feels like this isn't something their family really does a lot. And um, she's not sure that she believes in Judaism Mm -hmm. in that way. And so it's a real challenge for her. So there's all these different things kind of swirling together in the book. What do you remember about that time, this time in your life? I'm curious. Yeah. So specifically the bat mitzvah part for me was very conflicted. My mom's not Jewish and I grew up in a time, it's different now, but I grew up in a time where that was really a problem. And I was really kind of a pariah at Hebrew school, or that's my memory of it. You never know how much of that's internal. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and I, I, you know, I didn't live where the other kids lived. I didn't live in a neighborhood with lots of Jewish people. Mm -hmm. I didn't. So it was just a really unfamiliar space for me. And I would kind of go into this building once a week that wasn't mine really. And I loved Judaism. I was really interested in it, but it, it, I felt very confused about the whole thing and that my mom was really alienated from it. She couldn't be a part of the process. She couldn't come up Mm -hmm. on the Bima. Um, so it was a dividing thing in our household. Do you remember like when, like with Zippy's friend, like you said, like kind of changing and wanting different things. Do you remember that? Was that like part of your life in any way? I moved when I was in seventh grade, which is like the origin story of my writing. I mean, there's so much, I've, I've actually got this graphic novel coming out in a couple of years that will tell people more about that. But, um, but I moved, if, for people who've read Bigger Than a Bread Box, like that's a sort of metaphor for a lot of what I went through at that age. 
Um, we only moved like 20 miles, but it was a big 20 miles and a very different school district. And my dad wasn't there and my best friend wasn't there. So I would say a lot of the same emotional stuff that was happening for me is happening to Zippy. But but the story is different um, that I was physically moved away from my best friend and had to kind of navigate middle the, the top, you know, the, the upper year of middle school was was I was an unfamiliar person. So maybe Zippy feels like a stranger and I was a stranger. I haven't thought about it that way. So nobody's, this is, I'm, I'm still new to talking about this yeah. book. So um, yeah, I was lonely. I was really lonely in middle school. Do you feel like there's like part of all, like you in like all of your books or a lot of your books? Yeah, I think it's very hard for me to write a main character that isn't essentially a version of me. And I think it's important to, for kids and for all of us to remember that we all contain multitudes that like, that this, the same parts of me that may make Zippy an anxious, more introverted kid are just the mirror elements of what makes like the brassy, loud, extroverted part of me um, maybe goes into, you know, Jasper or something, you know, in my Jasper June that like um, that that I think we we take slices of our or I take slices of myself and put them into all my characters. And usually it's a question or something I'm uncomfortable about. Usually I'm kind of examining the parts of myself I don't fully understand or maybe even don't like. Um, that's an interesting thought. Like that maybe what I'm trying to do is understand and love myself, even in the spaces of myself that I don't always like. Hmm. So I, I remember like getting to know your work, starting with bigger than a red box and then kind of going backwards from there and then mm -hmm. to be able to go forward as, as more books come out. Do you feel like you understand yourself more now because you're doing this work and writing these books? What an interesting conversation. Like this is a big new idea. So I'm afraid I'm going to say something that later I'm going to be like, Colby, I was wrong. But um, I think that my, fr there's all different kinds of books. It's really important to me that there are all different kinds of books that do all different kinds of work for students, like for readers, for us as writers. Um, and I think that my first, my earlier books felt more superficial to me. I feel like as I oh, keep wow. going, like they're like, I love them, you know, I believe, and I believe in books that are more fun or more playful or more sort of about humor or magic or something like that. I feel like as, as I progress, I, my characters get, the last three books, my characters are older. They feel mm. older to me. Um, Orphan Island, My Jasper June, and The Witch of Woodland all feel like I'm really trying to write for upper middle grade. Like I'm really trying to write for a 12-year-old 12, 12 kid. Um, and I feel like my first couple of books really were more suited to lower middle grade, kind of more of an 8, 9, 10-year-old reader. It's such a difference. And it just felt like there was a huge gap in the literature around upper middle grade. And so I feel like I've been trying to write to that middle school moment. Um, so I think maybe that's part of it too, is it's demanded that I be a little more, I don't know, like excavate more of the kind of emotional layers and psychology of the kids. The, like if I look back at my first book, Up and Down the Scratchy Mountains, was just a very sort of playful, fun, like almost like a Disney movie kind of vibe. Um, and this, this feels much more heavy to me. Is it feel different to write books that feel heavier to you? Like, is it more fun? Is it harder? Is it more rewarding? Like how, what's like the similarities and differences I in think, like you writing a book now than when you started? 
I think I take kids really seriously. And I think as my own kids have gotten older and I have gone sort of along that journey with them, you know, they're now 16 and 17. But when I started this book, they were still in their middle school years. Um, and, and it's something I wonder a lot about that, like, I'm losing childhood in my home. And I'm wondering how that's going to influence me in my next book. Um, you know, the sort of not having that around. But I do feel like living with teenagers, living with middle schoolers, really does sort of transport you back to those memories. You watch your kids struggle at school or you watch them struggle socially or you watch them try to figure out what to wear to the first dance or whatever it is. And you're back in that moment, remembering your terrible haircut or your, you know, embarrassing day that you wet your pants or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and the way we think about those things when we're not like reliving them might allow us a kind of humor or like surface level. But if you're reliving a moment like that, you remember just how serious it can feel to be a kid and just how real and heavy and important those moments are. So I do. I feel like in some ways having kids this age, these like, you know, middle school age years in my house for the last years um, really has like woken up a lot of those memories in me and, and made me take them maybe more seriously. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's interesting because when you are living as a 12, 13 and 14 year old, you're like, you're just like living in it. You're not like mm-hmm. studying it or like observing it like you do as a parent. Right. So that's interesting. Right. And the challenge as a parent is to not bring extra anxiety or extra stress or extra weight to that stuff. Right. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to make those years any more heavy or serious than they are. Um, but but yeah. And I, th- I do think also writing this memoir, this book called Fairy Hunter that's coming out in a couple of years, I think I, I really had to like go deep into that, those memories. So one of the things that I love most about your books is trying to figure out what the heck is going on and like what the rules are. (laughs) Uh So like, I think Breadbox, I think Witch of Woodland, I think Orphan Island. So when you are, cause there's a way to tell, maybe not this story, but there's a way to tell like some of this without like the magic. Sure. Right. So like when you are creating these books where the reader is like kind of figuring things out as they're going with in terms of like what the rules are. Right. And maybe maybe we don't always get to figure those out. (laughs) Uh, I figure them out. That's what I wonder. Like, do you have it figured out like at the beginning? Does that ever change? Like, what's that like? Orphan Island I had figured out. Absolutely. Um, bigger than a bread box. I mean, magic being magic, right? Like the bigger than a bread box. I understood where the magic began, where it came from. Magic is magic. Rebecca Stead once said to me, I was asking her a question about uh, time travel. And she's like, well, the thing to remember about time travel, Arl, is it doesn't work. <laughs> that like, it's, it's, it's useful though, to remember that, like, that's a trap door you have that like, magic powder that you spill on a bread box that makes the bread box be magical or whatever. You don't have to understand how that powder works. You just mm-hmm. have to, tr- like, there's, there's some place where you begin and you just say, and this is where the magic starts. Um, and so for this book, what was challenging about it, and I, this book went through more drafts than anything I've written since my first novel. Um, the original version, the, the first draft of this book had a completely different secondary character who was like a, time traveler from like this mill strike in Atlanta in a hundred years ago. Um, and then, and it went through a huge transformation in the process of revising. Um, the character that is the secondary character in this book, Miriam, Zippy doesn't know what she is. She knows mm-hmm. that she's magical. She knows that she's a magical creature and she Zippy is trying to sort of 
figure out how this person came to be, where they belong, and also what they are, because this character, Miriam, has no memories. And so, and so that was a challenge to me in that, like, I figured out what I thought the magical system was. But, and, and I know not every, people have strong feelings about this, but I, I wanted to give Zippy, this, this is a book that Zippy is telling us. She is writing this story for us. And she is trying to understand, as writers do, herself and the world and, and the system of magic and all of this by retelling the story, right? She's trying to remember everything, put the details down on the page so that later she'll be able to understand it better and revisit it. And um, so she's kind of working her way through this with like Google searches and <laughs> books from the library. And, and so what I was doing was sort of going backwards into Jewish folklore. I had come up with this story idea and I had to figure out how much of how much I wanted to share what Miriam is, how she got there, where she came from. So I have a backstory that I believe to be true about Miriam that I then had to let Zippy kind of uncover. Um, and it changed as, as the story went along. And ultimately, I, I ended up, as I do, I ended up revising out some of those details because I like to leave questions in my books for readers to get frustrated with, but also have to figure out on their own. Maybe they'll go do a little research, um, things like that. So, so I have a historical figure that I think of as who Miriam is, and I have a story of how I think she came to be with Zippy um, that, that does fit together if you do the research, but the research is not all in the text, if that makes sense. That's so interesting. Because there's like a lot in Orphan Island that you know that yes. we don't know. Yes, I erase a lot. I I, I basically <sighs> put it in and then I take it out. Um, because that's the life, way life works, right? The information is all always there all around us, but we only have access to some of it. And in a book, sometimes I feel like we, we put so much into the story that no real person would ever have access to in their own real life. So since Zippy is telling the story, she can't have access to everything yet. She's a 12 year old kid with a, you know, high speed internet, but like, but she doesn't know all of Jewish folklore. She, she's cutting and pasting little bits of information together, but she doesn't know all the texts. She doesn't know, you know, the history of parchment or you know, like, yeah. like feminism in whatever century i so yeah i don't want to say too much but um yeah it's interesting yeah it's interesting to talk to you about a book like this to share this episode with other people who like the goal is like to lead them to reading the book right now right. like giving away all of these wonderful things they will get to uncover as they turn the pages so i guess we'll end with this question laurel snyder what is your hope for the witch of woodland oh that's a good question thank you for asking that um i wrote this book and it's not a good marketing plan. <laughs> I wrote this book for the kids who feel like the only kid in their class. Mm. Um, and, and not just the only Jewish kid in their class. Like, like Zippy feels like the only person like herself. She doesn't feel like there's anyone else quite like her. And I think she's not 100% sure that she's going to find people like her. Um, and I think a lot of us feel that way at different points in our lives. And I certainly did at that age. Um, there is this added component, which is that she is also like a Jewish kid living in, you know, a non-Jewish neighborhood, going to a non-Jewish school who doesn't feel totally at home in that community. Um, so I have a special, special hope for this book, which is that I really want to find and connect with. I want this book to find and connect with the kids who maybe feel that way, too, that like she could be a friend for them, that she could be somebody that represents them. 
um, in the way that books were that for me as a kid. But I, I don't want it to just be the Jewish kids. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I also feel like this is, you know, it's the whole mirrors, windows, sliding glass doors thing again that we come back to over and over that there are a lot of kids out there for whom this book is going to be really new information and a new community and a new world. Um, but I hope that Zippy's, Zippy's emotional landscape and her magic and her love of her best friend and her relationship with her family and frustrations about turning 13, like all of that stuff is familiar to the kids that maybe for, for whom the Jewish piece is new. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you, Laurel Snyder, for chatting with me about The Witch of Woodland. It's really an amazing book. Thank you to my co-host, Travis Yonker, for helping me produce this episode. Travis, enjoy these last few weeks with your students. You deserve summer break. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode comes from the Free Music Archive. Thank you to Heinemann Publishing for sponsoring this episode. My name is Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening. Thank you.